It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. This Lockdown Podcast is brought to you by Home Chef. Now that the novelty of the new year has dwindled down, how are your resolutions coming? One of mine was to order less, take out, cook more at home. But I'll be honest, I haven't been consistent. That is until I found Home Chef. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify the cooking experience and without robbing you of the joy of putting a dish together yourself. I'm Pescatarian, and they cater to a variety of dietary needs. I had this super refreshing ginger sesame salmon, a beautiful trout dish, and a super comforting shrimp and vegetable orzo dish, all of which took me less than 30 minutes to put together. For a limited time right now, Home Chef is offering all of our listeners 18 free meals, plus free shipping on your first box, and Free dessert for life at homechef.com slash locked on. That's homechef.com slash locked on for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. Homechef.com slash locked on must be an active subscriber to receive free dessert. This is the Locked On Auburn podcast, your daily Auburn Tigers podcast presented by Fetch Me Home Delivery. Use promo code FetchMe20 for your first delivery free. I'm Zach Blockerby, joined by Michael Pappas. Hello, Michael. Hello. Wrong microphone on, man. That's on me. Hey, dude. Hello, Zach. (laughs) And Painter Sharpless, I have the right microphone turned on for you. Yeah, if you heard a bunch of rustling around, that's my bad. (laughs) And also, I do that to Justin like once a week. He's like, that's not the microphone. You think after two years you would learn to hit the button. Yeah. But here I am, not pressing the button. It's okay. It's all right. We, we may all make mistakes, but that's okay. That is okay. Yeah, so we're, uh, we'll get to some voicemails in just a second. First, I wanted to talk to both of you guys uh, about the, the news happening yesterday afternoon. Two Auburn players, now former Auburn players, as they enter the transfer portal. We'll start with the receiver first. Former three-star recruit Marquise McLean, the big physical wide receiver. He um, never really got on the field consistently. It seemed like every year going into the offseason or, you know, coming out of the offseason, going into fall camp, he was always kind of part of the storyline, you know, ever since he stepped on foot on, stepped foot on campus is, all right, when is this guy going to make a splash? And it just um, it, it never really happened. All right. Y'all are both really excited to talk about this. Well, he's definitely there a guy, like you said, who whose name <laughs> has been – whose name has been floated out a whole bunch about a guy who could potentially make a difference for this Auburn team. People yeah. thought that he might make a difference this season. They thought I mean, it was kind he, of him and Matthew Hill were in that same that same boat going into yeah. this year. It's like, all right, was one of these guys going to step up? Could they be a deep threat? Could they be, you know, something like that and it looks like it's not going to work out for uh for McLean here at Auburn, but, you know, we wish him the best going forward. There's some uh, similarity, anyway, I think, between a player like this and Tony Stevens. Maybe some Auburn fans remember Stevens' name. 
uh, Stevens' name. He uh, was also a, a physical and big receiver. There were high hopes that if they could work with him on some more technical parts of the game, he could be a real contributor. I think the coaching staff went into this season with hopes that he could do that. And for a number of reasons, I, I don't think that he ever found his role. Yeah, yeah. And it sounds like a lot of it happened, you know, as far as learning the playbook and kind of understanding the game. As a recruit going into this, I mean, the, the coaching staff looked at him and said, okay, this guy is a physical freak, an athletic freak. Let's see if we could turn him into just, you know, if, instead of just a, a raw athlete, see if we could turn him into a, you know, a solid SEC wide receiver. That transition didn't really happen. I got a feeling that he's going to be able to to go somewhere. I think some smaller schools are going to really want this guy, and we'll see. Um, we'll see how it turns out. So, best of luck to him. And then uh, this one surprises me a little bit more, just because I, I think he was a, a better recruit. But Michael Harris, the four star, former four star linebacker recruit. If I remember his recruitment correctly, he was all about Ohio State early, even when he came to Auburn uh, for his Big Cat weekend. And then Ohio State dropped him because I, I believe Ohio State that year got the number one linebacker in the country, if I'm remembering this correctly. And so he said, okay, cool. I'll go to Auburn. And Auburn was pumped to have him. And it kind of looked like he was next in line, but he's been jumped by Owen Papo. And he's got some other guys behind him coming in. And, you know, so on top of having to wait for Zacoby McLean and Chandler Wooten and K.J. Britt to to move on to the next level, whether they graduate or or leave early for the draft, he's uh, he's got to fight for other guys uh, that are younger than him and probably more talented than him. So I get him leaving. I'm surprised he didn't crack the rotation a little bit more, but clearly the defensive coaching staff knows what they're doing. I, I really want to... Um talk here is because you've made a couple of good points about both his recruitment being a, a guy that sought after I, I want to go back quickly though to um to McLean yeah so I think we, we mentioned there might be a couple of reasons why it didn't work out maybe some of it is just a skill set and a talent thing maybe some of it was not a good fit also when you look at the receiving group as a whole remember how much optimism there was around this group at the beginning of the year and yeah that really continued itself for Seth Williams in the freshman year he had. But doesn't it feel like to you, a lot of the receivers outside of Seth Williams, we just didn't hear their names a lot, or at least that that excitement didn't really amount to much. Yeah, I mean, and, there was a lot of buzz about Schwartz. And, you know, that really never... And Hill. Came to, yeah, and Hill. And, you know, but at least Schwartz got on the field. Right. And that's my my, my point. next point is, like, those guys were all starters. McLean felt like a... a piece that might be there at times you know a nice addition to have and the guys like Hill and Stove and Schwartz didn't even really crack through in the same way that a lot of fans had hoped well and if I remember correctly they put him in earlier in his career in like wildcat packages for blocking but then Shedrick Jackson is a great blocker yeah Shedrick Jackson kind of took a spot and Canella is a big physical well you can but also a big guy Michael's favorite player and and you know yeah (laughs) For some of the hate Canella got, you know, I think people felt disappointed by his career, which I don't know if it's fair to him so much as just he was an okay receiving option, but a decent uh, blocking option. And mm. they used him in that role this year. And that's important for Auburn. So I did want to go back and just mention that. I think there are a couple of reasons for McLean and wishing the best. Sure. Transitioning to Harris, you brought up a yes. bunch of good points about um, his recruitment and being a good player. Like, do you think he gets a chance somewhere else? I do. I mean, I don't. 
Oh, I, I think he's a I, yeah, I think he's a power five player. Right, and some of that you're just looking at his recruiting numbers and expecting it to work out. I think, but the other part of it is if this Auburn look at him, yeah, <laughs> look at what he looks like. And for the most part, if Auburn's <laughs> coaching staff wants you, like especially the defensive side of the ball, I feel pretty good about their recruitment, their evaluation, and their development. It might just be that he got onto a roster and realized, dang, Owen Papo and KJ Britt, and we can go on and on and on. It's like there's just a bunch of really good players at that group. Yeah. Yeah, and, and you got to think that he's been developed to some extent, just kind of being in uh, being in that, that system, right? And being in that that film room with with the linebackers, being with Coach T. Will. The thing that stinks is his red shirt's already burned up, so he, he has to yeah. lose a year of eligibility for that. But I, I think this is a guy that's going to go somewhere and make an impact for a program, whichever one he chooses to go to. So I hope so. I'm, I'm a, I was a really big fan of him when he committed to Auburn. I, I really thought he was going to be a difference maker for the defense. And, you know, people people look at the stars. And, you know, I, I don't want Auburn fans, and if you're listening to this, I don't want you to think either of these two guys were a bust. I, I don't want you to think, you know, especially with Harris being a four-star guy. I think he was a high four-star guy. I mean, he was it was a big deal when he committed to Auburn. I mean, Auburn fans were stoked about it. So, And the coaching staff was as well, and, you know, the other folks in the recruiting class. So... I don't want you to think that, okay, you know, these guys didn't work out. Because I, I think they're still good players, and I think if they were to stay, they get a shot down the road, maybe their senior year. But, you know, they're doing what's best for them. Right. And you, you can't blame them for that. Yeah, McLean played less games this year than he did in 2017 and, and 2018. And, and I think that's because Shedrick Jackson. I, I really do. And then Harris, just I, I think to your point earlier, I was like, all right, there's uh, good defense. People were – very excited about his potential, and that still may be a really great player somewhere else. That's that's a guy that I think another team will also be excited to have. Michael, you share a first name with Michael Harris. Do you have any thoughts on either of these two guys leaving? It's it's hard to really fault them for wanting to find the, the best situation for themselves. So um, I think most people in Auburn and around Auburn will uh, will wish them the best moving forward. Uh, I'd be more surprised if we hear about Marquise McLean doing huge things at another school. Yes. Than Michael Harris, but yeah. you know, I hope they both find somewhere where they can play and, and enjoy themselves and and get a chance to do what they love on on their biggest stage. It's Kubota Orange Day. Shop the year's best selection of Kubota tractors, zero-turn mowers, and utility vehicles including the number one selling compact tractor in the USA, and now through June 30. Get 0% APR for 84 months or up to $3,300 off select compact tractors. See the details at KubotaOrangedays.com. Your family, your land, and your livestock deserve equipment they can count on. So find your local dealer today. That's KubotaOrangedays.com. All right, let's take a look. At, uh, at, at the lock, yes? Really fast. Okay. I would like to address something. What's up? Of course, I was pumped when Sal Canella caught that touchdown pass. <laughs> yeah, people are tweeting at you and stuff. You want to take a second to, to, yeah, to address people, this? Go ahead. And I listened. I heard the voicemails from, from Tuesday, I think. Yeah. I, I love it. First of all, I gotta say I love it. I appreciate the feedback that everyone. Michael is a kind of guy that needs a little confrontation. Like if we were on a on a sporting team together, 
the way I would motivate you is to argue with you, even if you were my teammate, because I know that you don't take it personally. That's one of the things I like most about you. So you're a kind of guy that thrives with a little bit of friction. Yeah, not only does he not take it personally, I think he enjoys it. He yeah. thrives off of it. Yeah. Anyway, keep going. Iron sharpens iron. Okay. <laughs> so. Little Proverbs action. Sweet. They, uh. So anyway, so I do appreciate it. And obviously that means, you know, you guys are listening Thank and you. we appreciate that. However, I don't dislike Sal Canella as a person. <laughs> I just don't think he's a very good football player. So when he catches the touchdown pass, I'm thrilled. I'm, I'm happy for him that he actually caught a pass. A right. little surprise. How much of the Sal thing is also but, that people were hopeful that once they got this tall guy that was listed as a tight end, that they were going to start using a tight end. And it's not so much that Sal didn't. Maybe Sal didn't live up to whatever expectations people set in their own head, but also I just wonder if they were hoping he for o- something different offensively and they didn't really use him that way. He personally exceeded my expectations. I thought the signing of Sal Canella was irrelevant. And he uh, I mean, he was a starting wide receiver for most games this year. So yeah. I, to me, he, he actually, I, I, I thought he, he, he exceeded mine. Yeah. But, I mean, it's going to be different from person to person. Anyway, the- the point is, I was thrilled when he caught the touchdown pass. Actually, I, I, okay, so, so you say you, you, like, you like Sal Canella uh, as a person. Well, I don't well, know. So what, what's, your favorite, a, what's your favorite thing about Sal Canella, okay. the person? Hair. Uh, the, the, no, it was, that was too cliche. I'm sorry. He the, has great traits. <laughs> so yeah, the, so jump into that a little bit for us. Um, mostly it was that he has, I mean, he clearly ha- makes such a big impression on people that a girl can sit behind you at a football game. That's still the most wild thing. And yell about how open he is when he's not on the field. I mean, that's crazy. She loves Sal Canella. And look, I don't know Sal Canella as a person. I don't have a reason to dislike him as a person. Uh, I I just don't think he's that good of a football player. So now you're saying you don't like him as a person. No, I don't have a reason to not like him. Okay. So I I just don't think So you do still have beef with him. I just don't think he's very good at football. I was thrilled for him. He got a touchdown in Taco his last Bell game. Taco Bell beef, baby. The biggest game. Taco Bell beef. So it's like, it's beef, kind of. Yeah. I think that's a good way of putting it. All right. It's, <laughs> that's the name of the pod, I hope. It's the it's lowest beef, quality kinda. possible to be called beef <laughs> legally. <laughs> All right. Give us a call at the Locked On Auburn podcast voicemail, 205-502-4285. Let's get it going. Hey, guys. Look. <laughs> All right, here's uh, a. <laughs> forgot play. about that. All right, here's uh, here's Warden. Hey, Zach, Warden. I realized I made a terrible mistake on my last uh, voicemail, so uh, oh. hopefully you'll be nice enough to play this one instead. Cool. I was at the Iron Bowl this past Saturday. It's Believe probably the, the most electric atmosphere I've ever been a part of in my entire life. Sure. You could feel the tension inside that stadium, and it was just incredible. It was one of the craziest things I've ever been a part of in my entire life. But uh, my correction is not not Ferg, but uh, Mr. Pappas. Not only should he have to write a letter to Sal Canella apologizing to him, he should personally find him and give him a hug and tell him sorry to the face to his face because that catch in the north end zone was freaking ridiculous. Like I made some very inappropriate comments on Twitter when it happened, but good lord, was that incredible! But other than that, I love you guys. I love this show. We love you, War Eagle, and I. Really hoping the show doesn't stop after basketball season because I just found it this off season between or this summer. So I don't know if you guys keep it up. 
War Eagle, guys. He happened to pause like right as you responded, so it's almost yeah, that's like not live. That was recorded. <laughs> it sounded like he was like, oh, yeah. like uh, uh, uh. no, yeah, some good points there. Well, first off, just want to address this will not stop after basketball season. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. It's your team every day, not just every day in season, so you don't have anything to worry about there. Um, I should listen to these voicemails before I put them in our our system because I should have played that before we started talking about it. But do you have anything else to say? Do you think you should go find Sal Canell and hug him in person? Yes. Uh, I think he'll be very, very weirded out if I do that. But we've already addressed that you fired him up, so he listens to That's the show, true. so he would probably understand uh-huh. why. You spoke it into existence. Correct. Um, so <clears throat> I will do... Very minimal effort, but a little bit to find Sal Canella. All right, let's take a maybe n- after he graduates. I'll try to get him on the show. It's Kubota Orange Day. Shop the year's best selection of Kubota tractors, zero turn mowers, and utility vehicles, including the number one selling compact tractor in the USA. And now through June 30, get zero percent APR for 84 months or up to $3,300 off select compact tractors. See the details at KubotaOrangedays.com. Your family, your land, and your livestock deserve equipment they can count on. So find your local dealer today. That's KubotaOrangedays.com. Let's take another look uh, at another voicemail. Looks like this is Greg. Hey, guys. I'm just kidding. Uh, this is Greg. I'm a big fan of the show. Um, I just wanted to comment. Uh, there was a guy on the show today that uh, left the voicemail about uh, Malzahn potentially hiring a, a, you know, a new offensive coordinator. Um, I want to get y'all's take. If, you know, if Malzahn were to do something along the lines of what uh, Ed O did with LSU and bring in, you know, like a passing game coordinator, because I really think uh, that's the biggest area that's lacking is our, our passing concepts. Um, if, if that could be, uh, you know, modernized and, and added to his assisting playbook, I like the offense that he runs, but there's just leaving a lot to be desired with the passing concepts. So with Bo Nix, you know, going next year into his sophomore year, I really think that uh, if we were to, you know, make some type of addition to the staff like that, um, and I don't know who's who that would be, but uh, that's kind of why I'm getting y'all stopped. But I think that could be really beneficial with the weapons that we're going to have um, and, you know, every, all the pieces coming back next year. All right, uh, thanks for doing a great job on the show. Love you guys. work. War Eagle. Graham Harrell, Graham Harrell, Graham Harrell! <laughs> <laughs> I knew you were going there. Greg, thank you so much for uh, for your call. Michael, do you have a do you ha- if Malzahn were to hire a passing game coordinator, who would you want it to be? Uh, Graham Harrell. All right, sweet. Also, so, Bill Cameron said last night on uh, on the drive on ESPN 106.7 that did you chew up your theory. No, he heard that there's like rumors that Graham Harrell might go to Texas. Really? And if I would be hard pressed <laughs> to find a scenario where. Graham Harrell is the offensive coordinator at the University of Texas and ever leaves. But he's a he's a Texas Tech guy. Yeah, so it, like if Texas Tech offered him the job, like the head job at Tech, he'd probably go to Tech. But I guess he's so young, though. I, feel, I see yeah. your point, and like you'd be in such a great situation if you wanted to, like, say things do work out with Herman. 
I sometimes wonder if I don't think this is the case, but we're getting to this point where coaching uh, patients with coaching is shrinking so much. And at certain schools, especially like Clemson, where you saw their persistence with Dabo really work out. Now, that's only one example. There's plenty more coaches who get fired after just a few years. And uh, But my point in saying all that is say things do work out for Herman there, like he's going to get another offer somewhere else he takes, I think. I mean, I get your point in that you'd be set for success mm-hmm. to just chill as the OC. There's a lot less pressure of being a coordinator. But I I mean, I don't think it's a, it would be a bad move for them. Lord knows they could use it after barely qualifying for a bowl. Painter, what are your thoughts on the offensive coordinator situation? I mean, there's all this talk about Malzahn needing to bring somebody else in. Is Kenny Dillingham out of a job? It just hadn't been announced yet? I mean, what are your thoughts on that? I don't think so. I think that, I think he's the OC again next year. Yeah, I, I think so too. And I I don't think that, that Auburn's offense was spectacular by any stretch of the imagination. In fact, if it were just... Uh, a little bit better, which would have probably put it in, in the turn, you know, in the category of, of slightly above average. They'd have a lot more wins if they work out the offensive line, though. Next year, the issue will not be Bo Nix. The issue will not be at skill position players on offense. I understand the frustration with, and one of the biggest things I'm hearing from Auburn fans, especially after seeing really the last five to ten years of the game being revolutionized through the air, and a team like LSU who's been really slow to adapt finally doing it. Auburn fans want to see more of that. Unfortunately for them, while they may add some wrinkles to it, I just don't think Malzahn's offense is ever going to revolve around complex wide receiver routes. I, I don't think Dillingham's in any kind of trouble. Yeah, uh, I agree with you. I think he was kind of brought in to essentially coach quarterbacks, and he's doing that, and Bo Nix has gotten better throughout the year. And he's, so, I mean, some of that can just be natural development. But and I it's think, okay to be frustrated with Nix in big games. Like, he just didn't have good games against Florida and, and LSU. And, and Would you say the Iron Bowl is not a big game? I'm joking. Obviously, no, I'm joking well, here. But, but so that, I had, that's I had, the exception. I had friends who were pointing to a stat line saying, well, that's, you know, I, I don't think that they won because of him. And I was like, I, I think that's a really bad argument, y'all. I can understand looking at the stat line going 15 of 30 for, what, 173 is not all world but he added a rushing touchdown he had five throwaways Mm -hmm. at least three team drops so if you adjust that's what 15 of 22 right there and on top of it he had some very crucial scrambles as well yes and mac jones played like a baller Mm -hmm. but he also had two turnovers that swung that entire game a baller and a shot caller but I mean, I was really like, like if you're an Auburn fan watching Mac Jones, you're going, oh my god! Like they may have an elite prospect in Tua, but that guy is good. But we were Mac talking Jones. with the guys on Locked On Bama yesterday, though, and they're saying he may not even start next year. Yeah, which is weird. Maybe I I understand they're excited about that guy coming in, and maybe you could say Tua's little brother makes some strides in the offseason. So like, yeah, there is a world out there where Matt Mac- Bryant's grandson. I just watching Mac Jones play against that Auburn defense. Is his name Hunter. I don't know. Was no one else just blown away by the fact that if he doesn't have one fluky turnover, which credit to Big Cat Bryant, and then also... He has the best receiving core in college football, arguably ever. Yeah, and that part obviously masks some of whatever... You know, I'm not a smart enough analyst to look at Mac Jones and go, these are the things he's not doing well. But I also feel like if that's the case for Mac Jones, a freshman quarterback or to his little brother who's not played any meaningful game, like... He's going to benefit from the same thing, too. Now, you're going to say, well, some of those receivers won't be there, but 
they'll they'll replace those guys. Mac Jones got absolutely murdered by Derek Brown on two different touchdown passes. One early. I, oh yeah, and that one too. Well, he got hit hard on the sideline on it when he scrambled oh, too. He yeah. picked up the first down, yeah. but he got destroyed by Brown. I, obviously, there's. You know, Mac Jones probably wasn't thrilled with Mac Jones's performance in the Iron Bowl, but I definitely gained a lot of respect for him. Yeah, I, I think he looked good. No one walked away from that game going, he's no good. So, uh, Talia, to his little brother, it's interesting. So, he went to the state championship in the 7A and lost to, to Central last year. And then last night, it, surprising was, it was a rematch. Or surprising to me. Anyway. Yeah, and... Uh, and what school did he go to? I'm blanking. Thompson. On. Yeah, then Tom- Thompson whooped Central last night in a rematch. So that that's kind of interesting to me. Wait, but didn't they- those two teams play earlier this season? Also, Hoover, Hoover played Central, and it was Hoover. a really good game. Yeah, yeah, but but Thompson knocked Hoover out in the semis. So I, I just thought it was interesting that they they won it without him, and then with them they you know because I, I went to that game last year, and I was like. Talia looks really bad. And I just haven't watched much of him, so I, I don't. I'm not prepared to say how good he'll be. It seems like the general perception, whether or not it's true or not, is that he's just not going to amount to what Tua did. Yeah, which kind of unusual. I feel like usually the youngest brother is the younger sibling tends to be the the better of the two, probably with the exception of the Manning brothers. Yeah. All right. You can email the show at lockedonauburn at gmail dot com. This will be the last thing we talk about today, and this kind of addresses a lot of stuff we talked about today. This is from Michael, not Michael Harris, not Michael Pappas. But, um, well, actually, it says in his email that it's Michael, but then the first line is, hey, Zach, this is Scott from Tampa, so never mind. It's Scott. Love the show, man. We love you too, Scott slash Michael. Look forward to listening to you guys every day. Appreciate it. Is this the bag man? No, he's not from Florida. I just wanted to say I was on the fence about Gus before this win, but after Saturday, I'm convinced if we brought someone else in, it would be a step backwards. I agree. Think about this schedule we had this year, and we are sitting in a position to get to 10 wins. I mean, pretty amazing since we had a whole month where we didn't even play at Jordan-Hare, and I lost track of how many ranked opponents we faced. Next year, the schedule lightens up a bit. Still the SEC West, but you know what I mean. And we will have Bo Nix, who moving into next year should be one of the most confident quarterbacks in the country in terms of experience and big games. I feel good moving forward. War Eagle fellas, oh, let's get an offensive coordinator, though. Interesting. I think the point about thinking Gus uh, you know, is the guy for the job, we'll wait until the first loss next year and then see how things go. Now, I don't know about Scott. Maybe Scott has a renewed sense of faith in his coach. A lot of Auburn fans, I think, right now feeling more confident in their coach after a big rivalry win. But let's say they go out and, and lose the bowl game. There will be a lot of complaining there. Um, and you know, like he mentioned that schedule next year, it's going to be easier because you get Kentucky instead of Florida and you take on UNC instead of Oregon. It's still going to be brutal. Um, I think we've been saying that certainly I've been saying, it. I know, I think you share a similar opinion that Gus would be back next year. I said, this team would go nine and three, didn't necessarily know where the losses would come from, but it's just like, how could you fire a coach with this schedule? And, uh, you know, it just and the, it, and the future looks good, too. It, yeah. The recruiting yeah. and, and you factor in the buyout being what it is. It's just like it would be such a silly. And everyone is upset about this. But I heard Dan Patrick made this argument about Jim Harbaugh and Clay Hilton recently. And it's the same one. Some Auburn fans, myself included, as someone who's covering the team has made. Who are you going to get that is better than Gus Malzahn? Yes. You may think that you're going to get someone better. But unless it's Urban Meyer, I'm not sure it's Graham a slam Harrell? dunk. And Urban Meyer's not coming to Auburn, folks. Yeah, that's true. 
Michael, you have any thoughts on Scott well, slash Michael's email? I, I got a thought on what Dan Patrick said. You could definitely find someone better than Clay Holden. That guy's a bum. Anyway. Um, Who is it? And let, I mean, like, because Urban Meyer is the guy everyone's connecting, and I think that that may be the result this time next year. I think that, yeah. I think that's more likely than yeah. anything. But but who is better than Clay Hilton that you know right now will leave a school or is in retirement, will come out of retirement? Like, you can think he's no good, but I, I've not seen anyone have a lot of success since Pete Carroll at Southern Cal in the last decade. I mean, USC, and if I'm USC, I make a run at um, – Mario Cristobal, number one. He seems at, to be pretty pretty set up at Oregon with a down USC and like he's recruiting the best out of anyone in that conference. I, I see what you're saying. It's a, it's a fine point to make, but is he going to leave Oregon for USC at this point? He's starting to build something. Uh, I have no idea if he would actually leave, but USC is the kind of school that like if, if anyone was going to pull him away, USC could do it. Sure, I think that's a fair point. And they definitely believe that they could. Yeah. And yeah, sweet. You could move on from there, but about the email, I there don't understand the fascination suddenly about hiring an offensive coordinator because a, we have one, like we were just saying, Kenny Dillingham is currently the offensive coordinator. And we just went through this with chip Lindsay where chip Lindsay was the one calling plays, but everyone was like, well, Gus is still calling plays. And we went through two years of just that nightmare of not it knowing who well was. pretty well in 17, but yeah, in 18 it certainly not, didn't. Not knowing who was calling plays, not knowing who's, you know, whose offense we were running, not knowing who, you know, the whole to thing. To me, this and is so, less about the offensive coordinator than it is. Auburn fans wanting to see their team open the ball up more as other teams have done. Certainly Alabama moved that way in the last five years. LSU's now done it. A few other teams, I guess you could say Florida to some extent, now that Mullen is there. And, you know, I understand wanting that. It's it's not only trendy, it is working really well for a lot of schools. Of the four teams that are likely to be in the playoffs, three of them will probably be in the top five in, offensive, in major offensive categories. So the idea of wanting an exciting offense that passes the ball well makes a lot of sense. But I don't think that Auburn fans are going to get that wish under Gus Malzahn. And he's proven that with his players and the right personnel, not opening the, the ball up through the air a lot has worked really well for them. I, I don't think this is as much about the coordinator position as it is a, a difference in how they run their offense. And I don't think that Auburn fans are going to get that. Michael, where can people find you and hear you? Follow me on Twitter at CouchPapTato. And I'm kind of the backup host on ESPN 106.7. That's now. not true. Yeah, whenever someone's out sick, I get to fill in. He's okay. Not, I don't, okay. I don't think he's wrong. Yeah, That's no, fair. Just I, I don't. That want wasn't you to, like a knock on me. Yeah, That's I, fe- just I like felt like fact. you were you were so, saying you were being relegated no, just no, to no, the no, bench. No. no. The no. Six, the sixth man, I think, is okay. how I'd like to look at that. You're the Anthony Macklemore of ESPN so, 106.7. James still, Harden, still, if you will. Still start on sure. the bench. Sure. Painter. I'm Painter at Paint Sharpless. Eleven to one. The lunch break. Michael's on it. Zach jumps on. Justin Ferguson is there as well, among others. Yeah, he's the point guard. Catch that. I like that. From 11 to 1, ESPN 1067, and the ESPN 1067 app. I'm Zach Blackerby on Twitter at ZBlackerby. The show is on Twitter at LockedOnAuburn. Email the show, LockedOnAuburn at gmail.com. See you tomorrow. This has been another edition of the Locked On Auburn podcast. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.